It's about Christ in the graveyard and what happens there. There's nothing abnormal about uh, demons. They've been part of our society for years. In fact, they showed up in the paradise. And an interesting thing in reviewing this portion, this for this message of the one tonight, I uh, noticed that in Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve gave up eternal life for a temporal life. Is what happened when they focused on the fruit instead of what God had provided for them, and. Uh, that's what this time of year tends to do is bring out a focus on the world and other forms of life rather than what uh, God has provided for us. You're going to see more and more an emphasis on UFOs. It goes from time to time. I've lived through many of emphasis on UFOs and extraterrestrial beings and that sort of thing. It's not biblical, not at all. But you're going to see more and more emphasis on it because they're going to want to explain away the rapture one day. And the world's going to want to explain when the horses come riding out of the sky. And they're going to want to talk about different things that just aren't validated in Scripture. And so uh, I have a peace and I have a peace of mind about the world and where we're at. And as our brother alluded to in Sunday school, have great peace of mind about uh, the perilous times we're in, but they've happened before, and the Lord's seen people through. I, I am not going to be a prophet here and say in 40 days, as Jonah did, that the world's going to come to an end. But I know it's going to come to an end. And I know God's in control of it. And so we have an opportunity to experience the best of life while we're here, knowing where things are headed and knowing where we've come from. That's pretty big. I don't want to do the uh, talk salad kind of stuff. But let's go to John, let's go to Mark chapter 5. And it's the demonic man healed. And there came over onto the other side of the sea, onto the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out, that would be Jesus Christ. The setting for it is he just quieted the storm and had the apostles come and land on the seashore, and they're uh, walking through on their way uh, to town. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Unclean spirits is what it's about. And he's dwelling, and who was who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. This is the third account of this. Uh, there's three counts of this passage of Scripture. I'm taking this one with the most detail in it, but you'll see it again in Mark and again in Matthew. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I was in the prison system for a number of years, and uh, one of my jobs in the prison system, because of my capabilities, was to take down prisoners that were insane, demon-possessed, if you'd rather. They have great strength. Adrenaline comes through them. 
they're in another world, almost literally, and they have great strength. It takes six men in special suits, special uniforms, with special materials, special straps, if you would, helmets, body armor, everything you can imagine, six men sometimes to hold down one of these individuals. It's easy to imagine someone who is possessed by devils that they could break chains. I've seen them tear, them, tear their limbs out of joint once they were strapped down. My job at the end of the day was to take that individual from the cell with the help of six other men, and sometimes more were called, and we'd take them down to literally a padded room, lock them up, strip search them, and chain them to the floor in that padded room. They'd be on a pad, they'd lay on a mat. Some of them could, some of them, we couldn't even get a mat underneath them. So it's not unusual to see someone carried out to that degree. Now, I won't elaborate on that, but in preparation for the message tonight, you're getting a little peek of it. Now, this man was demon-possessed, the scripture says so. His dwelling was among the tombs. No man could bind him, in verse 5, and always, okay, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was, was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Didn't even use a knife. Probably would have been more successful. He might not have existed. That's what the devil tries to do is destroy you. And if you're demon-possessed, you'll be destroyed sooner or later. Uh, I think what we're seeing right now in some higher powers is people that have been demon-possessed and the devil's left them. How can you rise to the top of your profession and then be left a dummy when you get there? The devil will take you for a walk, and it'll cost you a lot more than you can imagine. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And that word worship there, and when he worshipped him, he laid down prostrate before him. Physically, this man knew there was a Christ. He knew this was a special man. And he cried with a loud voice and says, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man. That was Jesus Christ, verse 8. For Christ said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. It wasn't the man communicating, it was the unclean spirit. He was prostrate before him, and the devil spoke. I've seen people that have allowed the devil to speak through them. We do from time to time when we cuss. <laughs> and he asked, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion is a military term. It's peculiar that he meant a military term. And when we studied anjo an 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 angels, <laughs> I'll get angelology, Angels, we talked about how uh, the angels are ranked, and they have military. Michael was an archangel, high military rank. Lucifer is a prince, high military rank in this case. 
And for he said unto him, Come out of them, thou unclean spirit. And he asked, What is thy name? And he answered them, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Six thousand soldiers is what Legion usually means. Anywhere between four and six thousand. And he besought him much that they would not send them away out of the country. Now there was in the high in the nigh, and there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine. And all the devils besought him, devils plural, besought, besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine, fled, and told it to the city and in, in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him. They came to Jesus and see him that he was possessed with the devil and had a legion, the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The man was restored. And to be brief in the message and the direction I want to go with it this morning is he was restored. Now, this was somebody who was demon-possessed, as wicked as they could be. And uh, just heard on the news this week about a man that got arrested for killing 30, 31 little children. All of his victims were female. All of them were destroyed murdered, he confessed to the crime. The man's living in the tombs. He's running around in the mountains. He's in another world. He's not even a human right now. Not much of a human. But God loves him. Just as much as this demon from Kadera, the man demon-possessed from Kadera. You can't get far enough away from God. Restoration is of God. You see that this man didn't have to go to Sunday school. He didn't have to go to Bible college. He didn't have to go to church. He didn't have to go anywhere but to Jesus Christ. And he was seen clothed and restored and in his right mind with the creator of the universe sitting next to him. And then uh, Jesus suffered him and said, Go home, tell thy friends, to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and, ha and had compassion on thee. None of us, as we reflected in Sunday school, are beyond God's compassion. You might be beyond my compassion. You might be on your spouse's compassion. But you're never going to be beyond God's compassion. His grace is sufficient for all those that reach toward him. The man himself fell down and worshipped. Christ in the flesh, but God answered him in the spirit, didn't he? It's something to be said for somebody who gets up and comes to church. It's something to be said for somebody who opens their Bible and reads it. It's just as important and just as significant for somebody to put their hands together in prayer and praise unto the Lord, for his grace is sufficient. What a privilege we've had as Christians and in this town and in this church to send some of that grace to other lands. Just this last week, 
and the missions that go out every month. What a privilege we have. But sometimes we fall short of that mark in ourselves. Oh, God doesn't care about my problems. God doesn't see where I'm at. He doesn't understand. No, his grace is sufficient. You can come to him for anything. You can come to him for anything. You can come to him for anything, and his grace will cover you. His grace is sufficient. And in this day and age we live in, with the monsters that we have roving this planet, the people we have that are completely beside themselves, the individuals we have that go unchecked, that are godless in their nature and in their upbringing and in their conscience, we have some real enemies amongst us. We need to call out to God, and his grace is sufficient. And he can change those individuals he can, as much as he can change us and our abilities to resist them and our abilities to cope with them. If we turn to him and ask him, claim his grace is sufficient. It's demonstrated here. In the Sunday school class, we had the story of Jonah, and I couldn't help but think, the first time I told someone about that story of Jonah, they go, oh, that was a great first argument they'll give you about Jonah and his restoration of that land, his part in Nineveh being restored. Because they'll tell you, there's, was it a fish or was it a, was it a whale? Well, my Bible says Jesus Christ called it a whale. Could have been a great fish. What, what's the difference? Great fish, great whale. Well, if you're into science, mammals breathe air and whatever. Um, there's no way a whale could swallow them. Well, there's been one account in China already of a man being belched up by a whale. And it's been, it's documented. I've seen pictures. It was in Life magazine about the early, late, late 70s. The guy was almost white because of stomach acid and the whale started to work on him. Okay, so that's something real old and out of the way. Or do you justify it, preacher? Where are you going with this? Just last night on YouTube, two people were kayaking and a whale come up underneath them and swallowed them. Didn't swallow them. Got him in his mouth, went under the water, belched him back up. Kayak and all. <laughs> he said, I don't like the way those Yankees taste. They had to be Yankees. <laughs> and so, uh, don't tell me these things aren't possible, and don't tell me God's word isn't justifiable, and don't tell me that he doesn't have the grace to cover anybody because he says so in his word. I'm going to cling to that just by the grace that he saved me and rescued me from myself and my bad choices and the things that I gave into. He can rescue each and every one of us. He's got no respecter of persons, another verse that we came up with in Sunday school class. I'm amazed at how the Holy Spirit coordinates this church together and brings us all into one home. God's got his hand upon this church. He's got his hand upon each and every one of us. Believe me, the devil tries to cause division. That's his job. He divided Adam and Eve, and he's divided mankind from God ever since. And each one of us need to stay united and realize, as the Sunday school class reflected, God loves us, and we're all swimming in a pool of grace. We are. We're living in a gracious time 
where the Lord allows us to experience the wonders and the joys of the advancement of our society and at the same time lets us know how far to go with them. We have to take and put ourselves in God's hands and do all things decently and in order and submit ourselves to God's word. Now, time from time, you'll hear things from this pulpit that will rub you the wrong way. And an old timer told me, he says, you know, if you're petting a cat and you're rubbing them the wrong way, they don't like it. What you got to do is turn the cat around. And that's kind of an old one. Sometimes I have to turn myself around when I'm listening to God's word. So, I'm not got anything in mind. Maybe the message tonight might apply. But God's word is true. God's word is steadfast and God's word is firm. And each one of us need to do as much as we can to be in the right way as God calls upon us to accomplish his will. Again, the message is restoration and grace. No one's limited by it. If you don't walk away with anything else this morning, it will be restoration and grace. It's not beyond you, not beyond your spouse, not beyond your pastor, not beyond anyone you come in contact with. And that goes as far as our Sunday school class as Nineveh was a wretched country that worshipped the devil. Even those people. God loves them as much as he loved you. If he was, wasn't colorblind, I would have never got saved. If he wasn't blind to my sins and my faults, I would have never got saved. But he loves each one of us. I don't know what's holding you back from, uh, from God's grace. Maybe it's the commitment. Maybe it's the commitment. But God's patient. He'll deal with you. He'll love you. He'll be steadfast with you. He knows what's best. He'll work out the right timing. He'll take you as far as you, he wants you to go, not as far as you want to go. And it won't cost you a nickel. It won't cost, I am happier now than I've ever been in my life. I sat here in church, remembered when I used to have to drop little cards. What was the song we said? He lives, he lives. I had to teach myself that song, listen to it 25 times on the cassette player before I could learn it because I'm tone deaf, so it was difficult. But now I'm sitting in a church where we have a song director, and he's, everybody else sings it, and I don't have to hold up the big card and the words on there and point to it. And believe me, when I was a young man, this wasn't the direction I wanted to be in. I had things to accomplish and places to go. But as I learned to submit myself to God's gracious life, he's given me more than I could imagine. I wanted to shoot a bear and have a red pickup truck. <laughs> I, I could do that 10 times this week. I'm driving one right now, God give to me. Where, where do you want to go with your life? What do you want to accomplish in your life? What kind of peace do you want to have? God's grace is sufficient. Submit yourself to him and he'll give you beyond the pleasures of your heart. He'll take you where you've never gone before and it won't cost you anything. He's paid it all. Let's all stand.